Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. Presented by Cape and Cowell Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Rainier. Rainier, how's it going, man? Rainier has survived the endgame. <laughs> How have you done? I have survived as well, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk about it. We are in the endgame, as they say, and um, we're post endgame. Post endgame, yeah. <laughs> we were we, just we were just in it. That's right. Now we're out of it, <laughs> and we're going to talk all about it. And when I say all, I do mean all. So let this be the spoiler alert. Um, you uh, sent something to me earlier today, Rainier. Uh, one of the directors of Endgame, Joe Russo himself, has declared spoilers to be okay at this point. Is that isn't that right? That's what he said. After a <laughs> week, uh, a week of being out in theaters, he officially claimed a spoiler uh, lift. Yes, a spoiler ban lift. Right, the lift on the spoiler embargo, if you will. Um, it's been a little bit over a week, so I guess in his mind, it was two weekends of release that was enough to lift the embargo. Uh, I guess that's okay, but I'm gonna go by uh, what he's telling us. So spoilers. I think two, uh, let I think it two weeks is, is is kind of fast, if you ask me. Kind of. I'd kind say of. the month, but you know, I think they want people talking about Endgame. I think that's it. I think that's exactly it. And when he says uh, spoilers are fair game at this point, I'm thinking, you know, it's not like you're going to go running out into the streets and yell out something such as, Tony Stark is dead. Oh, you're opening up with that. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. I did give the spoiler alert. But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, within a reason, you know, perhaps with fair warning, like I just did. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of okay. uh, there's been a lot of spoiler controversy here. There has been a lot of a lot of trolls out there spoiling it for people, despite the Russo brothers respectfully asking the fan base to not spoil the movie. Yeah, uh, some people did the complete opposite of that. The guy that got beat up in front of that theater that started yelling out spoilers from the movie. Yeah, allegedly. And uh, I don't endorse violence upon anyone, but uh, this guy kind of had it coming. He deserves right. every punch and kick he got, <laughs> if you ask yeah. me. It has sparked a lot of talk about spoilers, and uh, it is interesting. We're living in a day and age where the discussion of uh, plot spoilers is uh, it's, it's really in the public consciousness. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a thing. It's I a think big it's, thing. I, mean, I think it's kind of creating this weird sensitivity culture where people yeah. just are going to run out of the room the moment they hear something or they just immediately shut down a conversation amongst people because they don't want to hear anything. Yeah. You're I right. Know. I think that's kind of a dangerous road we're going down. Maybe a we bit. need to reevaluate how people, you know, interpret spoilers. I agree. You know, uh, in a way, uh, you mentioned, um, spoil, uh, sensitivity culture. I mean, that's kind of happening in other aspects of our current culture right and uh yeah spoilers are no different i think it's good to be sensitive to what other people are going through have they seen something have they not but uh, like anything you can go overboard with it right uh so (laughs) you know it's tricky you you know what is a spoiler for one person can be 
not a spoiler for someone else. So just be careful out there, folks. Be careful. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're going to talk all about Endgame today. Um, man, I'm kind of glad that we're doing this episode a little bit after uh, the film's release because as it has turned out, this movie has become historic, you know? Um, everyone's talking about it, but just look at the box office alone. Like, to this day, today is Tuesday, May 7th, 2019, and yeah, it's only been about a week and a half since the movie released, and... We're at, what, a kajillion dollars now? Basically. <laughs> this movie is now the second highest grossing movie worldwide ever period second only to avatar and um you know this movie's going to be in theaters for quite some time more so it's got a legit shot at number one which is pretty phenomenal um yeah it, it's pretty mind-boggling the box office numbers we've seen with endgame unprecedented absolutely uh, so, yeah, we don't want to go on and on about uh, spoilers and box office numbers. Let's get into the movie itself, yeah? Um, any initial thoughts about uh, how much you liked it, what your movie-going experience was like, Rainier? So this is the big one. This, this was the big one. Yeah. This oh, yeah. was the conclusion finale, the bookend piece, if you will, to the entire MCU um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, huge not, expectations to be n- met. Not just an Infinity War sequel, but really a culmination uh, going back all the way to the first Iron Man movie. So, yeah, absolutely. This is the big one. Yeah, and my expectations, I think, just like everyone else, were huge. Yeah. I think my biggest worry that it was that it was not going to meet my expectations and fall short. I remember you mentioned that. But uh, this movie absolutely delivered in uh, in very many ways. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, I enjoyed it immensely. And we got a nice conclusion, like a nice finale. And that's one of the things that I actually really appreciate about like TV shows and movies is if they can actually have a beginning, a middle and an end. And the entire MCU was concluded by this movie. And I think they did a great job with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the current age of television, we're so used to seeing cliffhangers now right? Everything leads to something else, right? There really isn't a true end to much anymore. Uh, But yeah, this was a definitive end of a chapter. And they didn't have to do it that way, right? We all knew that more Marvel Studios movies were coming. uh, So they could have, you know, made it like, oh, stay tuned for more. But uh, I think they gave us the closure, the finish that a lot of us were waiting for, you know, the end of a chapter. We got that. We got that uh, closure there for sure. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this movie. Um, it wasn't perfect. You know, I think we can get into Oh, some we're starting there. Okay, no, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> oh, we don't have to. I mean, All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, do it. Okay. let's tackle this. So, um, like, a lot of people I've talked to, you, Proferio on the podcast as well, a lot of big fans of this movie, myself included. I'm not going to shit on this movie. Um, I definitely had some nitpicky type stuff for sure. Um, but, yeah, I know the consensus is 
a lot of love, a lot of love. So, I mean, I almost want to take a bit of a devil's advocate stance here. So I saw this movie as triumphant, highly enjoyable, but, you know, I can't help but think of this movie as really being, you know, like three hours of fan service. It was really oh, you thought it was fans. you thought it was all fan service. I mean, not all, but it was really geared towards fans of the MCU. Is um, that a negative thing? Uh, yeah, not necessarily. Not necessarily. We're living in an interesting age where fan service really is part of these types of movies. You know, um, I felt like. With a movie like The Force Awakens, it was a bit much, maybe too much, um, maybe a little bit too much with Endgame too. Um, but look, I know that there are aspects of this movie that only make sense to people who have seen past Marvel Studios movies, right? And there's no way you can enjoy this movie as a standalone thing. You know, it has to be regarded as a sequel to Infinity War and a continuation of 20 movies, really, you know? I, you know, actually, I think I'm hearing two different levels of fan service because mm-hmm. I can see the fan service you're saying about The Force Awakens. I mean, if we're comparing apples to apples here or apples to oranges or whatnot. Yeah. The fan service I see that everyone had a problem with with The Force Awakens was that it was essentially a remake of A New Hope. They just reskinned yeah. it with new characters, right? Yes. Whereas the fan service in MCU, you're talking about how they showed us exactly what we wanted to see from what we've seen from previous MCU movies. In a way, yeah, yeah. So those are kind of, I think those are kind of different levels of fan service, right? That's a really good distinction because, yes, The Force Awakens was very much a remake of A New Hope, but with Endgame, we got something pretty fresh and new. I'm not going to lie and say that the stuff I saw in this movie was not surprising. I was surprised. I was very surprised at a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, along the lines of what you mentioned, a lot of the appeal of the movie is uh, looking back on past MCU movies and sort of celebrating them. And again, I mean, as a Marvel fan, how can I not love some of the callbacks in this movie? Um, but I just feel like it's not for everyone, you know? Uh, I mean, maybe it's kind of the old school uh, film criticism aspect of me, but I just can't look at this movie as something I could enjoy as a standalone effort. I mean, as a standalone movie, does it hold up? I guess I'll have to watch it again. (laughs) I mean, but I mean, you, you do, I mean, you do have to understand what happens at the very least in Infinity War. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. uh, and I said this when we reviewed Infinity War. That movie doesn't stand alone either. So, I mean, maybe that's just the way it is. I mean, a big part of why I love the films of Marvel Studios is because they're interconnected and you kind of have to watch them uh, sequentially, you know. And well, You know, actually, I think, I think they're kind, they could be kind of standalone movies, I think. I mean, look, my favorites of these MCU movies can certainly stand alone. You look at movies like the first Iron Man, um, the winter soldier, like a lot of these movies 
can stand alone. You know, you don't necessarily have to watch the movies that preceded them. I mean, you could easily be like, who are these guys? Like, why are they suddenly showing up, right? If yeah, you haven't seen any yeah. other movies. Uh, you know, I can also kind of see, like, why it would be such a big deal that Captain America was able to, to uh, you know, um, wield uh, Molnir. Yeah, yeah. So I would say in the past, it is helpful to watch the past movies, but with movies like Infinity War and, yes, Endgame, it is critical that you have watched past movies, right? But this is the thing where you have to earn that, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like you have to, just like any comic fan, like you have to, like earning your nerd cred, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you say that applies here too? Like you, that you understand every aspect of this movie yeah. because you've, you've been there. Yeah, there's that side of it too. You know, people like us that get all the references, there's a, a definite satisfaction out of it. Um, but I feel like it's maybe too much for the fans, you know? I don't know. I teeter back and forth on that. It's something I would definitely call out as possibly something that is a bit of a drawback on the movie. So if there was, if there was, if there, if you could have done with some, with less respective fan service, like what could you have done without? Oh man, so hard to say (laughs) because I mean, I was going to get into like, the highlights of the movie later and so many of the highlights to me are these fan service-y type things you know um (laughs) so it's almost like what i disliked about the movie i also loved you know it's crazy but it's hard for me to explain rocking a hard place yeah yeah that's that's a tough one that's a tough one I'll, i'll i'll kind of continue processing that um but let's talk about some other stuff um Let's talk about time travel because... Ooh, should we talk about Fat Thor or... Oh, we'll get there. Okay. I mean, I think there's no question that that's a huge positive of the movie. So why don't we get into the, the highlights a little okay. later? Yeah. All right, all right. Before we get off the negatives, okay. <laughs> because I, I got to say, I was pretty shocked that the main plot device in this movie, what everyone was wondering, how could the Avengers triumph? You know, was it a different dimension? Were the other Avengers trapped in the Soul Stone? I mean, there were so many theories, right? My theory was uh, the separate dimension thing, like a different timeline, right? As it turns out... By the way, I already knew it was the Quantum Realm, only because of the way the toys were branded. Okay. As the Quantum Suit. There you go. And also the swag and sweaters that were out there. The quantum sweater, quantum realm sweater. <laughs> I mean, that's a dead giveaway, yeah. right? Yeah, and going back to spoilers, like... And the Legos. Dude, <laughs> the toys and merch, major spoilers, yeah, people. Yeah, big time spoilers. Come on. Um, but yeah, back to my point. It turns out time travel is essential to this movie. And as it turns out, essential for the completion of this entire chapter of Marvel movies. Which, that's a bit of a head-scratcher to me because... To me, time travel is a kind of lazy plot device. You know, it's like, oh, oh just go okay. back in time and you'll fix things, you know? Yeah, a Jeffrey card, huh? In a way, it's a cop-out. Yeah. You know, it's it's too easy. It's like, that's all they have to do? I mean, they do some explanation about how the time travel to the past doesn't affect your present and all these things about, like, Pym particles 
and someone, yeah, someone these threw, quantum realm suits. I can't remember. I think it might have been uh, Smart Hulk, um, or it might have been uh, Scott Lang. I can't remember. Someone, someone threw out a line to the effect of, um, "Don't try to think too hard about it because." Yeah. You're you're gonna just find yourself in an endless loop. Yeah, and that was them. I feel like that was them telling the audience directly, <laughs> like, "Hey, don't worry about it. Just sit back and enjoy the ride." Yeah, yeah. And see, that's what I'm getting at. Like, what I really love about a lot of these Marvel movies is you can dig deep. You can think about it. You can relate to these characters like oh what if i was in the situation that tony stark was in what would i do that's how real a lot of these characters feel right and now they're taking a stance of okay don't think about it too much just eat your popcorn and enjoy you know and but don't drink your drink (laughs) yeah three hours and ten minutes so you don't have to pee yeah that's a good point um and that doesn't sit that well with me, right? Like, I want these movies to be deep and thoughtful and, um, you know, uh, critic-proof, you know, plot-hole-proof, that sort of thing. You know, I, I want a lot out of these movies. And for them to say, oh, you know, just go with this on this one, you know, it's like, oh, that's it. Just, you, know what, you know what they could have – you know what, now that I think about it, you know what they could have done – to make it seem a little bit more complicated, but something that we could try to accept and try to wrap our heads around What's that? is if they somehow utilized uh, Doctor Strange's time stone uh-huh. and the quantum realm. My thoughts. That way they're creating their own science that exactly. we just can't fathom and we can buy into it. Yeah, man. Like, I think we joked about it before that, oh, with great powers of the reality stone and the time stone you could do crazy stuff like time travel and alter realities and dimensional transport and stuff and uh sure enough they went the time travel route surprisingly though it wasn't through the time stone at least directly i mean they used all six stones and the quantum realm and pin particles to travel right but uh you know, it seemed like it was pretty easy to me for Doctor Strange and Thanos to use just the Time Stone to go back in time on a couple of occasions, right? Um, so, I don't know. There's a lot of inconsistency and kind of what you're saying. The more you think about it, the more it makes your head hurt and the more you just don't want to think about it and just go with it. But what I'm saying is I want to think deep and figure out exactly what's going on. And I want it to work on a logical level and it just kind of doesn't, you know? So that's my beef with time travel. Um, By the way, I think it's really funny and awesome at the same time that back to the future is always referenced as like (laughs) the, you know, the, the gold standard for time travel explanation. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty awesome. They called out back to the future they called out a lot of time travel movies and you know uh, to the film's credit they were giving you that wink wink about time travel it's almost like they knew okay this is kind of hokey um, but we're just kind of fun with it hey look at these past movies that have had fun with time travel um but uh, I, I was just looking for a little bit more. I'm like, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this is how they beat Thanos? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, let's move on. What else we got? Uh, By the way, do you like how essentially it was a mouse that saved the day? If you think about that. <laughs> and the parallels of Mickey Mouse. 
Because remember that mouse that walked over the van ah. that contained the quantum realm apparatus where Scott <laughs> Lang was able to reappear? Yes. It was that mouse that reignited that. And if it wasn't for that, Scott Lang, Ant-Man wouldn't have come back. Right. And Ant-Man wouldn't have come to Iron Man saying, hey, time travel. Right. <laughs> and no quantum realm and none of that. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good point. And I think you're about to say it, but perhaps it's symbolic of Mickey Mouse and Disney saving this uh, universe. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's much saving. I mean, when Disney acquired Marvel Studios, they were well on their way. Uh, but uh, to reach the heights that uh, Marvel Studios has reached, uh, yeah, probably couldn't have done it without Disney. So that's, uh, you know, that's fair. House of Mouse. <laughs> Indeed. Now, one thing... I wanted to bring up, and this is kind of in gray area, hard to explain category, but I really got a sense of this movie being a celebration of the MCU, not only as the conclusion of the Infinity War storyline, but yeah, this whole first chapter, ever since Phase 1, ever since Iron Man 1, all that, right? Ever since... Nick Fury uttered the words Avenger initiative, you know, and that's great, but it seemed like this movie really had kind of an arrogant stance on it. There was a lot of Marvel Studios patting itself on the back here. Did you get that sense at all? Did you feel that? Mm, I mean, give me an example. I mean, look, when the Avengers go back in time to retrieve the stones, there was a shit ton of fun to be had there, right? Oh, it was revisiting the so old much movies, fun. but from different perspectives, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I'm not going to question that. But they were using their past movies as a backdrop, and you could tell it was like, look how great we are. We're so awesome that we're going to go back to our own movies, relive these moments, and uh, everyone's going to love it. You're going to love it. We love it. And let's just look how great we are. But you yeah. loved it, right? <laughs> of course I loved it. <laughs> so, again, I'm kind Mission of... Accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. But I I don't know if they could have done it in, in a not-so-arrogant way. I don't know. I'm you not know sure what, what I'm saying You know here. what? It's kind of reminiscent. It's kind of, it's kind of like those, uh, like a television series where yeah. the episode is dedicated to reliving like previous episodes that were you know milestone episodes for characters in a TV series. Yeah, it's yeah. essentially like a recap episode, right? In a way, I mean, there was way. elements that there were elements of that in, yeah. in in the whole time travel thing, but we still got like a lot of interesting interactions from that. Yeah, some of them almost seemed. I mean, I think some of it was like reshot footage, some of it was old stock footage, mm-hmm. right? But it seems yeah. like they integrated that pretty seamlessly. But I mean, yeah. if you can create a young like Sam Jackson. I guess anything's possible, right? Yeah, yeah. See, you know, you bring up a good point. The technology is there to do these sorts of things. And yes, it is damn awesome and a hell of a good time. Um, So maybe they have to be there. For what the Roosters were going for here, there had to be some fan service. There had to be this like, oh, look how awesome we are sort of thing. I mean, the MCU does have that clout, though. I mean... 
you know, they, they can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all their movies have made billions of dollars. Everything is a Rotten Tomato score of like <laughs> 90 million plus. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why wouldn't they? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just would like to see a little humility, a little humbleness. Um, I don't think there's anything humility about. <laughs> maybe Captain Marvel was that level of humility. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Captain Marvel is very uh, not present in the movie, by the way. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, maybe we can talk about that a little bit. It really seemed like Infinity War was setting up Endgame for uh, Captain Marvel to really save the day. I think Captain Marvel's movie even set her up to really save the day here, right? Yeah. As it turned out... She ended up doing just literal flybys. (laughs) She contributed, there's no question, but she wasn't this big X-factor, secret weapon type thing that everyone thought she was going to be, which is kind of interesting. I think it's it's because of the Russo brothers. I think because they have like this soft spot in their heart for Captain America. Yeah. He's been the star of, 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 of everything the Russo brothers have done, really. Yeah. Captain America... He didn't just get a victory lap in this movie. He ran a victory marathon, I think. It, it was a celebration of Captain America. And, you know, how can I not love that, right? I was loving it. I mean, phenomenal. Um, you know, before we go into positives, and we're starting to get there already, but... Fat um, what's that? Fat Thor. Fat Thor. <laughs> hold on. Hold your horses. Um, I'm really eager to talk about this. I know you are, as, as am I. Um, but... Um, Real quick, there's a real big girl power moment in this movie. There's a shot of a whole bunch of female superheroes at the end, and um, it was purposefully done, and you could argue kind of forced. But um, so when I originally, when that originally yeah. came uh, to screen, I, I I watched the movie with my wife, and yeah. I I remember her like cheering for that. She was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" <laughs> yeah, I thought that was awesome. I mean, and then her yelling that like just you know reinforced that feeling. Yeah, and then it wasn't until the following day when someone brought up the uh, you know the. The, the the feedback of you know I think they were pandering. This is a, this was a, a female that was speaking about it, saying yeah. she, she felt that it was she was being pandered to yeah. uh, a little too heavily, and like how coincidental they also happened to be at the same spot at the same time yeah. on this huge yeah. like battle arena. Yeah, um, and that's the problem I had. It was just a little too coincidental. You have this massive battle. Superheroes are running all over the place. Thanos's army is everywhere and then you're telling me at this very moment all the female superheroes all happen to be all together at the same time is just too much of a coincidence and maybe this scene is a bit of a microcosm of everything I'm talking about like I enjoyed it a lot as it a lot of people right it was cool to see all these female superheroes together but at the same time it felt really forced and out of place it's like it's not realistic that they would happen to be all together at the same time. So it's kind of like what I'm saying with time travel and all this fan service, you know, not to say I didn't really like that stuff, but you know, okay, maybe what I'm driving at here is that maybe some of these things could have been a little bit more artfully done. Like if there was a legitimate uh, logical reason for all these female superheroes to be together, it would have made the moment that much more powerful. And on the same note with the time travel, 
if it was explained in better detail and not just given to me as like, just just accept it and move on. Don't think too much about it. Then, yeah, I think I would have embraced the movie even more. So I've I've got two comments on that. So one is... I feel like it's way more probable for all of the female superheroes to converge in one single spot in a huge arena versus the probability of actually creating time travel. Okay. Okay. So that's why it's not completely off my, that's fair. That's why it's not like completely, you know, uh, 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 dumb to me. Uh, and two, they forced it because I feel like this is the only opportunity that they can actually do this. Yeah. <laughs> when are we going to see a Koye, a Wasp? Um, I'm missing everyone else. When are we going to see yeah. all of those women? Bla- oh, wait. Black Widow wasn't there, right? Uh, who else was there? Right. Um, Valkyrie. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel, Mantis. Pepper Potts. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> when are we ever going to see them ever? Yeah. Right? And so yeah. Would, would you have rather not have seen that? So that it didn't pander to uh, some women who feel that opinion? Yeah. I'm glad the scene happened. I would have preferred it to happen this way than not happen at all, to answer your question. Um, But like I've been saying, I just feel like some of these things could have been done a little bit more gracefully. That's all I'm saying. I did share that comment, though, with my wife where... uh, uh, our, our friend said she felt pandered to, and yeah. my wife was like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. <laughs> right, right, yeah. My wife it, was had, still, it was still awesome. Yeah, my wife had the same reaction. She said, oh, now that you think about it, yeah, it was kind of forced. But, hey, look, uh, that scene in this movie, the world is in agreement that we're all in a better place that exists than it not existing, <laughs> right? So uh, let's just celebrate it. And on that note, let's – Get into some of the positives, some of the many positives. You've been uh, chomping at the bit to talk about Fat Thor, so let's go there. You talk about unexpected. Yeah, you know what? Holy it's, it's, shit. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah, I mean, Thor, it's – so we ended up watching a, a viewing that had uh, – it was it was a closed caption viewing. Okay. And we still yeah. got all the awesome, like, booming sound. But yeah. uh, when – it's funny. When Hulk appeared, it in caption said, Smart Hulk. And then when <laughs> Thor appeared, it said Fat Thor. <laughs> oh, and I love that. I mean, it was easy to just dismiss that, but I couldn't help but, like, you know, <laughs> smile at that. But what's interesting about Fat Thor is that, like, you know, Thor, I mean, the God of Thunder, right? I mean, we've seen we, – we, how can you relate to a god, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like him playing that storyline into, uh, into um, Thor the Dark World – yeah, I think Thor: The Dark World was hard to like to to, to gain some traction on uh, as a viewer because it's like, mm-hmm. well, how can we relate to Thor? Yeah. That movie is right? probably the least relatable movie of all the Marvel movies. It's so fantasy. It's it's yeah. It's they they, they end up reeling yeah. Thor back in through Ragnarok, and he's he's like one of the guys, right? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, and a friend of mine had pointed this out to me that he's become even more relatable in Endgame. That he's mm-hmm. not this super hunky you know god-like a- angelic dude right he's yeah. he's just one of the guys and how do they yeah. lure him onto the ship they're like oh well we got beer <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy's like i would have i would have uh you know i, I can see why he uh, agreed to that <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's a great point about thor becoming super relatable this is as relatable as he's ever been you know i mean who can't re- can't relate to a big fat guy who likes drinking beer, you right. know, he's yeah. that, that's the common person you living know? his best life. 
I do have some friends though that are just you know they're they're huge like Thor like purist fans and okay. they, they absolutely hated it. Mm. They hated seeing <laughs> Thor that way. And, yeah. and there's also the argument of people saying that that Thor was completely like fat shamed, body shamed. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's the 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 negative commentary I I heard about this yep. uh, buzzing around. Um, uh, a rocket had a few zingers on Fat Thor, no question. Yeah. At one point, he referred to him as melted ice cream, yeah. which was hilarious, I thought. But yeah, definitely body shaming, no question, <laughs> no question. Now, I'm curious about your Thor friend fans. Uh, did they have a problem with Captain America wielding Molnir? I didn't ask about that. Okay. <laughs> It might have been uh, t- too sensitive a topic, yeah, perhaps. Maybe too soon. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts about cap wielding Molnir? I, th- I jumped out of my seat. Okay, are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> I thought that was awesome. It was a big moment. I mean, we got a little bit of that in Age of Ultron, and that was probably my favorite part in the entire film when well, they were sitting around like, okay, who can lift this thing? Yeah. And then you see Cap kind of kind of wiggle it he nudged it (laughs) and and you see thor's face right he's just like well wait a second (laughs) see that's what i dig so um on the flip side from thor purists i'm kind of a a cap purist so when cap wielded molnir it was a big moment i and i was excited but part of me was like that just doesn't seem quite right you know but the fact that he nudged Molnir way back from Age of Ultron, they were setting it up. It almost made sense that, okay, now he can wield it because he, he showed signs that he could back then, right? So I feel like that was kind of the graceful handling of some of these moments, yeah? So ultimately, yeah, I embraced it, and it was awesome. Come on. Okay, so um, uh, just a couple things I wanted to call out. You know, this movie was a lot of action, a lot of comedy, um, but there were certainly dramatic moments. And I have to say, early in the movie, it was a very depressing kind of part of the movie, and you could argue kind of slow, but Robert Downey Jr., man, he blew me away. He was, like, super skinny. He had lost a lot of weight, clearly. And he, there's a scene where he just goes off on the Avengers, particularly Steve Rogers. And it is a tour de force, man. Like, he really killed that scene. And I just give mega props to RDJ for really setting it up. You know, this movie, in a lot of ways, was a big spectacle, popcorn blockbuster. Um, but, man, he brought some heart into it. And, uh, yeah, like, for his... Uh, exit from the MCU to to contain this scene and a lot of great scenes uh, with Iron Man and uh, yeah, mega props big time for sure. Yeah, it's crazy how the MCU started with Iron Man and ended with Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. Really poetic. Absolutely. Um, so a few quick fires. Uh, Captain America versus Captain America. That might have been the scene of the movie for me. I could not believe what I was seeing, and it was exciting. It was hilarious. They were talking about America's ass. Oh, man, it was just (laughs) perfection. You know, they were fighting. Captain America's ass was uh, perfection. (laughs) Well, uh, maybe I said that uh, subconsciously, but uh, hey. Freudian slip. It's it's America's ass. Come on. I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) (laughs) 
but fucking awesome man come on like i'm complaining about time travel but if time travel led to a team of avengers from 2018 to go back to the mcu of 2012 and to follow the events of what happened in the first avengers movie so entertainingly it's just it was awesome come on and he and they, they play on the i can do this all day line oh there's just so much in there uh there's a there's a play on the winter soldier elevator battle scene yeah uh they set it up shot for shot with the same actors you know we got grillo and his strike team in there and uh steve rogers dispels the situation by saying hell hydra uh again perfection just freaking perfect you know they they could have gotten away with using hail hydra in many scenes uh trying to get (laughs) the uh the 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 respective stones they needed to get that's a good point Uh, you know i was thinking that too so they seem to be pretty strategic about where and when they would travel back to it seems like they could have made some better choices Right. I mean, one big one was uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye going for the Soul Stone. You and I called those out, right? The, the we deaths kinda called of it potentially out. Yeah. or who we would have been fine without. We definitely, we definitely mentioned Hawkeye and Black Widow. And sure enough, uh, Black Widow did die and Hawkeye was very close to death in that one scene, right? Um, as it turned out, one of them had to die there, right? Don't you think they could have picked some other point of the timeline where they could have retrieved the Soul Stone without having to sacrifice anyone? Could you they have? Could, so. could they have brought like a stray dog <laughs> and be like, "All right, there you go." Right? Yeah. The, the beloved be family being? pet, you know. Well, no, know. it doesn't have to be a human being because they did that with Gamora. That's so, right. So could she's it, could she's it, alien. <laughs> could it have been like just some lame animal or? I mean, you're asking the right questions here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I question, did they really think that through? Did they pick the right places to go to? You know, I actually thought they were going to throw, I'd somehow throw Red Skull over and kill Red Skull to be able to retrieve the Soul Stone. I thought that's mm-hmm. how it was going to happen. Oh, interesting. I thought at the very end, like, as they were, like, tumbling down that cliff and, you know, yelling at each other who loved each other more and... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I thought somehow they were going to survive yeah. that. I was thinking, um, will they? They right. gave a somewhat acceptable explanation. I think it was Natasha who said, well, Thanos had to kill Gamora to get this stone, so there's no other way. Like, we have to, one of us has to die. Because if Thanos had to do that, then clearly there's nothing we can do. Like, like you know, for example, kill the Red Skull, that sort of thing. So uh, what else? You know... I was thinking about uh, the end of the movie, the the the, the battle royale. Actually, can you know? we jump to the beginning? How yeah. shocked were you when Thor immediately decapitated Thanos? Oh yeah, I was totally surprised. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that was surprising. I think all I think everyone in the theater gasped at that moment. Yeah. I mean, this was, I want to say, five ten minutes into the movie, and the perfect line from Thor. The aim for the head. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we mentioned it before, but there were a lot of surprises in this movie. That was a huge one. Because whatever you were expecting in this movie, 
after that moment, I certainly was like, well, now what? Like, what happens now? Like, we're about 10 minutes into the movie. I know this movie's three hours long. Like, what is going to happen in two hours and 15 minutes? I had no idea. And that was super exciting. Like, just not knowing at all what's coming. You talk about, like, spoilers ruining stuff. Like, at that point, there was nothing. I knew nothing. And it's a, it's kind of a cool feeling. It's like, oh, now it's a blank slate. Anything can happen. Yeah, it was crazy that they jumped five years in the future and yeah. seeing this post-apocalyptic... I mean, I don't know, it wasn't as, like, dark and dreary as I would have expected, like, the post-snap world to be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it was certainly, with it, it was certainly like, void of, of, of something. Right, right. Which is half the population. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, felt a little bit shortchanged early on where we were like, oh, Thanos is dead, that's it? And they barely, there was barely a fight, you know? So it clearly was setting us up for the grand finale that was the end of Endgame, which was epic. A huge battle, tons of superheroes, tons of super supervillains, all kinds of powers on display. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts about that epic battle at the I, end? I remember being on the edge of my seat thinking, okay, this is it. Cap's going to get it. Cap's going to get decapitated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is, you're referring to even before the majority of the Avengers showing up. This was Cap, Thor, and Iron Man versus Thanos. No, no. Actually, right? even even after he yelled Avengers Assemble, which was awesome, by the way. Uh-huh. And he was, uh, they were rallying in some kind of way. And it almost looked like, like Cap had not a look of relief, but he had this look like, I've got this. Okay. And I thought at that moment, like, okay, here it comes. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get Loki'd okay. <laughs> somehow. Uh, like, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. I thought I thought that was going to happen. Oh, I see. But I see. Uh, surprisingly, there was a minimal number of, like, character deaths. I mean, we only yeah. ended up with Black Widow and Iron Man at the end of the day saving, yeah. saving the day. Right, right. And certainly those were major deaths. But, um, yeah, there wasn't a huge body count. And uh, if anything, it kind of reversed the body count from Infinity War, and yeah. we went big time but into I think the we, plus side. I think we were expecting that, right? I think we weren't expecting a complete bloodbath yeah. because yeah. of the way the way uh, Infinity War ended, right? Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. We ex- we expected this to be a triumphant finish, and it definitely was. It was triumphant. It was a big celebration. You know, it was it was a lot of positivity and joy. And I think that's appropriate. You know, I think that's what a lot of people wanted, and that's what we got. And um, oh, just real quick on that final battle, I really enjoyed the teamwork aspect to it. You know, this movie contained a whole lot of superheroes, and it just was not logistically possible to give any one character too much screen time. Like everyone had a little flash here and there. Yes, exactly. It, it really looked like uh, a splash paged battle from the comics yeah. like just right on screen yeah everyone got their little moment like yeah everyone got if it was a comic everyone got their little panel right um that was really emphasized with that moment which was like kind of like a like a football play <laughs> where they were handing off the gauntlet yeah you know spidey got to run with the gauntlet for a while black panther hawkeye and um and there were just a lot of moments like that which was great you know um i feel like T'Challa 
barely did anything in this movie, but I walked away as a big Black Panther fan, still feeling satisfied. I felt like, oh yeah, Black Panther, he did his part. You know, that was cool. So really great. And and not to veer too much from Marvel here, but I felt a, a, a bit of teamwork that maybe was a bit lacking in the uh, Winterfell battle in Game of Thrones of oh, that very oh, same jumping, weekend. Oh, we're jumping uh, franchises here, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just a quick tangent. We got two more episodes left, I man. Know, like, we still got two more. For that one, up, for that one battle, I would have liked to see a little bit more. Yeah, I, don't think they're, I don't think they want to blow their load this quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll save that we'll for, get there. for the next yeah. one. We got two weeks. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, any other just random thoughts, final thoughts on Endgame? Oh man, let's let's bring on the rest of Marvel Studios. Let's see what they've got. Yeah, I, mean, I think everyone is hopeful for X Men, Fantastic Four. I mean, the you know, geez, if they could do it with the the Avengers franchise, I mean, I feel like anything's possible. Yeah, and that's a pretty cool thing, right there. They gave us a definitive end with great closure, but the whole time it wasn't like farewell you know we all know that this universe will continue on and continue on strong so it's a pretty cool feeling you get the closure and you know a lot of fun stuff is you know coming soon i think it was cool seeing old man cap yeah um you know he he kept his promise he uh gave his best girl that that dance he came back for it yeah yeah and we talked about it but this movie really was a love letter to Captain America and Cap fans like myself, you know, shoot, it was a great, a great, great thing. Um, Real nitpicky, but in my mind, I knew, I kind of knew Cap was gonna live about halfway into the movie. You know, I, I mentioned before, I predicted that Cap was gonna die. Yeah, he was on the high on the chopping block. Yeah, he, I, I wished he wouldn't, but I thought he would. Uh, so I'm kind of glad I was wrong. And I kind of knew, like I said, I kind of knew about halfway and he was gonna live because they kept giving these little teasers. Like you saw Peggy's picture from the past and they were talking about time travel. You see Steve Rogers grab some PIM particles in 1970. Um, there were all these clues that he was going to go back in time to reunite with Peggy. So I felt like, oh, he's going to survive this battle with Thanos because he needs to get back in time and, and, and live his happy life. And that's exactly what happened, which was great. Um, I almost wanted to see, and this is where uh, I'm getting a little nitpicky, but I would have liked to s- see him go back in time and just stay there. Like, you never see the old Steve um, maybe you just see him go back in time, you see the kiss, and like that's it, like the storybook ending. Cut you know? scene, yeah. It would have been Cuts nice. Um, but I'm not too critical on the old Steve Rogers thing. It is, you know, faithful to uh, source material. We yeah. have seen an old Steve Rogers in the comics. Yeah. And if it had, had it not been for that old man Steve Rogers scene, we wouldn't have seen the passing of the torch, right? He hands the shield off to Sam Wilson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing, too. Like, the passing of torches happened everywhere. We see Thor talking to Valkyrie about being the new ruler of New Asgard. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there we is. Have, uh, let's see. Hulk is keeping his mantle because I don't think he can pass anything <laughs> along. <laughs> yep, indeed. Uh, Iron Man. I mean, we have yet to see what who's going to take on the mantle of Iron 
man, iron woman, iron <laughs> Question heart. Question mark. <laughs> it could be anybody. Yeah. And as you mentioned, we see Cap. Uh, and I think I think Hawkeye's daughter be- could become the new Hawkeye. Yeah, that's definitely hinted at. It's somewhat implied that Thor is now a guardian of the galaxy? Question mark. Perhaps. Uh, so guardians of the galaxy. There you go. There you go. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That moment when uh, Sam Wilson gets the shield. Um, again, kind of like what I'm saying. It doesn't really mean much to. A non-fan doesn't mean much in the context of this one singular singular film, but shoot, I got goosebumps, man. Like this is, again, this is it is faithful to the comics. You know, Sam Wilson does uh, become Captain America at some point, and it's just a, a great moment. You know, it's very exciting. Come on. Although you do have to wonder with this whole time travel thing, right? That Steve Rogers went back in time, and we talked about this. That at some point two Captain Americas exist in the same timeline. And presumably the older Captain America, somewhere I want to say around Winter Soldier-ish time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that there's a Captain America hanging out in the suburbs somewhere, just chilling on a Lazy Boy, while uh, the other timeline Cap is, you know, (laughs) making his run. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. Another pitfall of time travel plot devices they totally mess up other timelines right i think the ancient one said said it herself like you guys have to return the infinity stones or our timelines will be totally screwed right so the avengers being good citizens they went back or i mean specifically captain america went back and he returned all the stones but in doing so he probably messed up those timelines even more than if they had kept the stones in their present timeline, right? Because in that one timeline, like you're saying, he stuck around for a long time. A, a timeline where there's two caps, where he presumably has, has left Molnir there. So there's two Molniers, and he steals the Captain America shield from that timeline. He essentially cock blocks uh, Peggy Carter's <laughs> husband because he goes back and snatches her up. Your head looks like it's about to explode right now. It, it's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it is, and and it's kind of what we've been saying. If you think too much about this time travel stuff, your head will explode, and you kind of just have to sit back and accept it, which, like I've been saying, is kind of frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And no uh, no cut scene at the end, no post or mm-hmm. credit scene, which, yeah. I mean, seemed rather appropriate. I yeah, mean, we got it, everything we were asking for. It kind of did, because we've been talking about closure, and if there's, if there's closure, there isn't a teaser for what's next, you know? Some people argue that the sound of hammering metal at the end was a bit of a something. I mean, I think it just speaks to Captain Amer- or, uh, Iron Man just essentially opening it and closing out that whole 10 year run. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just a a bit of a tribute to Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr.'s contributions here. Uh, But you could read it as what's that sound? Is that the next Iron Man I hear? (laughs) So, you know, you could read it however you like. Um, Real quick. I was kind of expecting and hoping for Star Lord to redeem himself a bit. He fucked up so badly in Infinity, Infinity War. War 
I thought there would be a moment where he kind of atoned for that screw up, but there, it never really happened. I right? think I think that uh, payback happened when he got evil Gamora back instead of Gamora that loved <laughs> Star Lord back. So maybe he oh, did get his own. That that knee in the nuts yeah. was kind of uh, wrapping that whole thing up. <laughs> because now the not the not our Gamora, but the Gamora from the previous timeline is now in our Star Lord's time, right? So wait, say that again. The so G- Gamora from Infinity War is obviously not there, but Gamora yeah. from Endgame is there. Right, right. The, the Gamora f- who leaped ahead and in, yeah into the future from 2014. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like 51st dates all over again for <laughs> Star Lord. Yeah, well, he got another shot. There you go. Is, again, is kind of ridiculous, but. Uh, you know, hey, this is this is the MCU now. Like anything is possible. Truly, anything is possible. Yeah. Okay. Hey, so before we wrap up here, uh, I have to recognize that this episode, the one that we're recording right now, is our 100th episode. Wow, 100 episodes. Yeah, it's quite a milestone here. So I mean, you I know, I think I was in like 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, I think you've been more more, more than, than that. that but uh, you know needless to say uh, it's a cool achievement and I'm glad we're doing it on a big momentous occasion like Endgame um, and uh, also notable that uh, we're gonna go on a bit of a hiatus so we're gonna uh, stay on 100 for a while and just sort of soak it in and We're going to hang out in the quantum realm. There you go. <laughs> just chill out with Scott so Lang. No time will pass <laughs> for <laughs> there us. There you go. And um, the future is a bit TBD, but I can say right now that uh, most likely we will continue on in some form or another. So stay tuned. Any last thoughts on uh, this 100th episode, Rainier? It's been fun, man. I I enjoy this. Yeah, same here. I feel like our podcasting skills have grown quite a bit. I think so. I know your interviewing skills have uh, have uh, improved like uh, by leaps and bounds oh, since well, you started. Thank you very much. And uh, I do agree that uh, just uh, the act of speaking about things we're passionate about uh, has... Uh, yeah, has kind of honed our skills a bit. And I mean, this is the stuff know. we talk about at lunch anyway, so yeah. we're just recording it. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. And that was the intention from the beginning. But I think actually doing it in a formal setting has been kind of cool and, and kind of, uh, yeah, skill building and, and a nice little developing kind of thing. And, yeah, I think it's been good for us. Yeah. Right on. Good times. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Rainier and Henry.